period, yeah. I'm a black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holla if you really feeling this. Gotta holla if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holla if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred, ayy. If you don't like it, then fuck it, ayy. We gonna win in the end, yeah. We gonna live in abundance. I gotta keep it a hundred, ayy. If you don't like it, then fuck it, ayy. We gonna win in the end, yeah. We gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we living. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling? Peace, everyone. Peace. My name is Jamar Jabari, and welcome back to another Jabari Vlog podcast. Um, I am very, very, very super excited to uh, have this next guest on. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of things. Um, we have an educator who is a part of the trans community, and I also knew this person uh, with a little bit of organizing uh, in Connecticut. So. It's good to, to like, you know, reconnect, always reconnection and stuff. I just have awesome people I know. So get to know some awesome people, everybody. <laughs> um, we're going to have a conversation um, about Florida as well, too. Um, the last episode, we had a conversation with uh, Knox, just the celebration of pride. Um, so I just want to give everybody... Uh, thank you so much that checked that out and gave me good feedback, especially on TikTok. A lot of great feedback. TikTok seems like to be the shit right now. And I'm really appreciative of the information and the conversations, even if it's uh, ignorant conversations. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that people are engaging, no matter what kind of conversations that are going on. The, 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 the point of engaging is very, very important. So without further ado, I want to bring up Andy. <laughs> Hello, nice to be here, and nice to see you again after a really long time. Yes, um, Andy, what are your pronouns? I uh, who who knows? Um, I so <laughs> I sound like I don't have an answer to this question. I usually just say any pronouns are fine. If you want one to pick to default to, uh, most people choose he. That's mm -hmm. I'm truly just not very bothered about pronouns. Um, I okay. used to joke. I like to see what people come up with, and then I realized I was not <laughs> joking. So um, take that. Okay. Got yeah. you. Got you. Um, I would say maybe it might be helpful for people to know I identify as queer and transmasculine. Um, so that's helpful context, probably. And you're an educator. Um, um, can you share? just like how you started off wanting to become an educator and right. like, it's, it's gonna get dark experience. immediately yeah like, it, no has to, it has to get really depressing for it to make sense um so i my granddad was an educator my grand my dad mm -hmm. is an educator um most of the men on my dad's side of the family are educators actually and many of the women would just stay at home um i remember 
Yeah, I, I think most of the women in my family just didn't have jobs when I was a kid. And so really the job that I saw represented was education. However, okay. my family, I don't know if you even know this, um, was part of a cult that is currently under criminal investigation. Well, is it? No, it's civil investigation. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So this is the International Churches of Christ. Um, there will be a Rolling Stone article in the next couple of weeks, I believe, that I'm there's a couple quotes from me in it. Um, so part of yeah, so part of what this religion practiced was that oftentimes kids would be expected to perform paid work that they were not being paid for. That was part of what their parents' job was. Um, so I knew of somebody whose dad was a doctor and so would actually um, not always be practicing at the office. And there were points where uh, a minor would be assisting, but not um, be being treated as like a real medical professional. So my experience in education was what? actually, yeah, oh, it's, um, I, there's limitations on what I can say. <laughs> litigation. Um, no problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, I mean, what I said, I believe is in my, uh, legal statements. So I'm totally covered in saying that much. Um, okay. But so for my family, because my dad was an educator, excuse me, there was this expectation that I would do parts of his job. And so I was like grading people's papers. I was helping write tests. I was checking tests. I was organizing math competitions. And I was doing this all like without pay. As a, a volunteer, I won several awards for my masses of volunteer service that were in actuality not volunteer service. They were an adult being paid, forcing me to do this work. Um, so the really, it, it, this, it is what it is. It's, it's depressing. Um, and I was really not invested in it. I really hated it. But I would basically be told, you have to help me grade these papers. I refuse to let you go home. Like, I refuse to let you leave this room. You have to do this. Since it's illegal to make kids grade other kids' papers. So there's all these issues there. But um, I knew how to tutor very, very well by the time that I graduated from high school, um, because I had already had so much professional experience that I really couldn't even possibly put on a resume. And so I initially just started looking for opportunities to tutor because for me as a college student, that was good money. Um, mm -hmm. And so then when I graduated college, I ended up being in a PhD program. And a part of PhD programs is the expectation that you will be teaching. Um, I this was a PhD program in Florida focused on political science. Um, after the first year and a half or two years that I was there, something like that, I realized it was not going to be, this is still kind of related to education. I'm weaving the whole life story in, I guess. Um, uh, I decided that I was not going to be able to successfully transition while part of that program. And I decided I was going to leave for a bit. Um, and if I got to come back, I got to come back. If I didn't, I didn't, but the priority was being able to transition safely. And so that was actually when I moved to Connecticut. Um, and I tutored in Connecticut and I also got a job teaching SAT prep full time, which is such a weird thing to be teaching at, um, oh, you know, AF Amistad. Yeah. Um, my, uh, little brother actually went there. Oh, how, what did he think of that experience? Um, well, he's 23 now, so he went about seven years ago. So, yeah, I should ask him because I don't know, actually. <laughs> emotionally healed from that experience. <laughs> well, it's a, it was, it was, it was wild. <laughs> um, I, so 
New Haven is very, very demographically similar in proportion to Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. It is not similar in um, a lot of other ways. And so in Tallahassee, I had I had not been in, uh, like, I, I don't think I had lived in, a, I don't think I have now lived in a neighborhood that was as homogeneously white as the neighborhood I lived in in New Haven to the point that it was like, something's wrong here. Um, mm-hmm. And I found that like being in that school environment, which was like almost entirely students of color and majority white teachers, which I didn't know was a problem. Like, I didn't know that was a thing that we were just doing as a society. Um, yeah. I found, so my expectation as an educator was I'm going to go from Florida to Connecticut and it's going to be like happy and liberal and great. And it was not, it was, mm-hmm. um, the expectations about what I would be willing to enforce were very different than what I thought was um, acceptable treatment of children. Um, I just, I, I just did not, I did not agree with having to enforce some of the policies that were there. And um, Mm -hmm. there was also like this challenge of the school had hired me. I was actually told we wanted to hire someone trans or so, like I was told something along those lines, which oh, is wow. a, right. Like that's, that's a choice. Um, yeah. But then they provided absolutely no education or support for staff or students on that. And I was expecting that I would have like a co-teacher because I was not a licensed teacher at that time. And I was working towards that license. Um, and, but, but instead I was totally by myself in a classroom and like, like I'm not I'm not angry at any of the students who were involved in this because I think that was a horrible environment. I don't think I was a very good teacher and I had no idea how to handle it. But that was it was very intense, constant, consistent transphobia from students mm. that was not the responsibility of them because they were children who were in a very stressful environment, but it was the responsibility of administrators who pretended it wasn't going on. Um, and that was not great. So that was just a very odd situation where um, I had no idea how to be successful and I had no idea if it was like okay to even work in that environment. And I think a couple months, like a couple months into the next school year after I'd left, there was a whole thing with the principal. I don't know if you remember that. It was very dramatic. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I got to this point there of like, this is, this is a bad situation. This is not good. And um, I had a student who tried to attack me during class while screaming transphobic slurs, which was really cool. And um, rather than addressing the situation in any way, the principal told me, well, that student has a mental illness. So he is crazy and not responsible for his actions, not knowing I had the same diagnosis as the student. Um, so at that point I was really like, this is not like, this is not the place for me. If something good can be done here, it is not going to be by me. Like I can't do this. Um, and then, then we get to like a weird part of the story. Uh, I'm so sorry that this is such a chaotic story. (laughs) No, 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 you're fine. (laughs) So, um, I was not doing great and I felt like I could not show up as an educator in ways that I wanted to. And so I decided that I was going to take some time off of that and um, just like 
pursue mental health care, honestly, because mm. I was like, I feel like there's so much trauma that I have been reacting to in educational spaces that has nothing to do with these students and everything to do with like my childhood educational trauma. And mm -hmm. I felt like I was at this point where I could not show up for students well if I had not taken care of that. Um, and I knew that there were so many people who were not trying to show up well that I wasn't willing to like still do that and act like it was fine. Um, mm. Problem being, my insurance would not cover this unless I went to Florida. So I ended up having to go back to Florida for mental health care. Um, wow. So that's how you ended up back in Tallahassee, Florida. Yeah. You know, like the wild thing too is I did not think that this was that great of an idea. Like I I do not, I don't, I don't even remember like leaving Connecticut and I, I remember being in Connecticut and then arriving to Florida basically. And it was almost like this anxiety fugue state where like, I didn't know what to do. And the only people who I like knew how to rely on in that type of situation were my family members who I did not fully internalize at that time were cult members. And so they were very like, yeah, like come stay with us. Everything will be fine. Like you won't have to work. Um, if you have to take a break, we'll make sure you figure out how to do all this stuff, which was to get me to go back to their church. Um, and so I, it's, it's very, it's depressing, but um, mm -hmm. I kind of got stuck there through trying to seek mental health care and believing that was the only option. Um, and I was stuck in Florida. So I thought, you know, I'm going to try to reapply to my PhD program um, because I felt like there was a lot I had learned in Connecticut that like, maybe I wasn't ready to teach um, like high school, but I was absolutely like, I wasn't ready to teach high school SAT where, um, you know, the subject matter wasn't really related to my interest. And it was like a high stress environment that wasn't managing transphobia. But I was like, maybe I can like teach something that's in my specific research field, which is religious extremism. Um, and so I got back into the PhD program. Um, I did do all of these different things to do so. Um, I went through the first semester of classes and finally qualified to teach again. And so that was the first point where I was able to have my own class as instructor of record in a collegiate setting. And I, I it actually was cool because I was I'm the I was the only non-binary person I knew of at that time who was out and teaching in my field of international relations, which was like really cool. And it not to say that there wasn't anybody else, but I was yeah, the yeah. only person I could find. Like I couldn't find anybody in the world who was doing that. And I'm not I'm sure they existed, um, but it was uh this very kind of lonely thing in a department where I was not really being supported. And about a week before my class started, I got a notification that I was going to be expelled. Um, oh my God. For impersonating Emily Stowers, who is me. Um, so they dead named you. Yeah, so they, um, they had improperly processed my name change and they sent all of the paperwork about it to my old email, which I no longer had access to. And then they said, we're gonna expel you um, for fraudulently pretending to be a Florida resident and impersonating it for impersonating a Florida resident. Um, so I had to go and talk to the registrar and they, um, it was a very odd conversation. They really wanted me to feel bad about it. And um, I had no idea what to do because I thought, well, I've done all this paperwork. I'm clearly me. You've clearly been sending this to the wrong email. And I realized that the director of admissions had the expulsion paperwork on her desk and the pin was, in her hand, touching the paper. Uh, I think the date was written um, and I didn't know what to do. So I just started 
laughing and laughing and laughing. And she said, what are you laughing at? And I said, well, just before you pulled that out, you said you should be grateful that I'm here giving you my time. And I think that's very funny that you think discrimination is something I should be grateful for. Um, and everybody in the room just stared at me and I could not, I couldn't get it together. I just kept, I just kept laughing for in a good minute. I would apologize. I'm so sorry. I know this is rude. It's just, it's just funny. Um, and after that, they asked me to please leave the room. They um, took me to another room and said I would be allowed to remain a student. And then the person who had helped me said, just so you know, four other students were expelled over the same policy. Um, I found out that one of my friends had gotten expelled. For, he's trans. And here's what it is is when you submit your residency paperwork, it has to be 12 months old, or they say you haven't lived in Florida for 12 months. I had, I don't think I had ever like legally been a resident of anywhere other than Florida. I think by some weird technicality, even when I lived in Connecticut, I was legally a resident of Florida, it was, which is, there's a whole can of worms to unpack there. But um, it was oh, this, wow. it, it, but it was like a really bizarre experience um, that I was trying to say like, no, I, I am, I'm from here. This is, this is where, I was I was born in Florida. I I've I don't know what to do. Um, and so it turned out that because I had only gotten my name changed eight months before I started classes, they considered that invalid because the entity known as Anthony Stowers um, had only lived in Florida for eight months. It was it was wild. Um, yeah. So okay. they changed it. Yeah. Oh, it's a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. No, no, I, 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 I just wasn't prepared, and I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so privileged to have heard that story, and thank you because there's things that you just you don't realize that goes on, and that is just that's absolutely has me speechless, and like, it's, wow, um, so <laughs> I just like, have the words. I, um. Yeah, so something, the the end part of this I was going to say was they ultimately, um, they tried to stop me from teaching by claiming that I did not have a teaching credential, mm -hmm. which I did. Um, mm -hmm. But Emily Stowers had the teaching credential. Um, so I was actually almost barred from teaching right after avoiding expulsion for not being qualified, which I was. They let me teach the class. And then the next semester, the same thing happened again. And they tried to stop me from teaching a different class that was more contentious um, with the same tactic. And it was it was really odd. Um, to be fair, I was I had decided to be as aggressive as I could get away with in my classes in some ways. Um, so I expected it. But um, yeah, so that was the experience. Sorry, I can pause. No, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Um, there's a little lag, ladies and gentlemen, that's watching. Um, just in case, just to let y'all know, I'm for I'm working on it right now. <laughs> oh, you want me to pause for a minute? I can drink some of my lemonade. Oh no, you're fine. It's just my camera. All right, I gotta wait for the 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 camera to catch up with, I guess, the internet. But no, no, continue. So yeah, so this is so when, while so while you were teaching as well, they were trying everything they can to take away your uh, your teaching credentials. Um, yeah, because so, of they were using your dead name as a as a reason. That um, was basically what I'm hearing. 
Okay, so I'm I'm gonna be entirely honest that I don't think it was just me being trans. Mm -hmm. I think it was me insisting on studying religious extremism, which I did not think could be done without discussion of white white supremacy. So it wasn't mm. just me being trans. It was me. Um, I guess I would say it was me understanding transphobia as an extension of white supremacy and white supremacy as a problem that we should discuss in political science. Um, mm -hmm. And so it was kind of the case that what I felt like I was doing was I felt like I was sharing my knowledge of politics out of like my life experiences. Um, right. And like my understanding and like my educational background and all that. Right. So like to me, it would be things that were like, so in, in my classes, I would cover Shirley Chisholm. Um, I, I feel like you have to know about Shirley Chisholm. Sure, Shirley Chisholm? Shirley Chisholm. Sh oh, Shirley Chisholm. I'm not saying um, say it very well. Um, um, I actually don't know. Oh unless God, I get so reminded. I'm this. awful with names. I might get reminded, but it, it depends. Okay. <laughs> uh, Okay, I'm, I'm like looking up the deets. Uh, Shirley Chisholm was the first woman candidate for president for a major party. She didn't win the Democratic nomination, but she did run. Um, she was also, I believe, yeah, she was also the first black candidate for a major party. Um, okay. Again, did not win. She also was the, um, oh man, I didn't know that. She was also the first black woman to be elected to U.S. Congress, but... Um, and I was gonna say, Wait, I, like, I know who you're talking about. Jesus Christ! <laughs> That's yeah, what I'm talking I figured about. you would. I was like, awful with names. <laughs> um, so uh, she was a, I think a senator. I don't remember if she was a senator or a rep in New York. And then she was in the House of Representatives. But right. um, so I would just talk about her. So like, I'll tell you about what I would teach. Um, so she's she's amazing. I would say that she is responsible for. 70% of the breakfasts and lunches that I got as a child because what she did was as a member of I don't remember which socialist groups she was part of I don't want to misquote it because Shirley Chisholm um somebody's gonna be upset validly um I'll just say what I actually know without having to look it up um so mm -hmm. she saw a lot of the opposition to the Black Panthers free breakfast program and was like you know I think we actually can enshrine some of this in law and so within New York first she started pushing and lobbying for the um program that provides free and reduced cost breakfast to school children and mm -hmm. then as a member of U.S. Congress she was instrumental in making sure that that legislation was expanded across the country because her belief was that by making sure that kids were able to be set up well and successfully in educational spaces um, which required being fed that was the best shot that children in um, situations of poverty would have at uh, making something more of their lives um, and so like she was one of my favorite people to learn about because when I was a kid, my parents absolutely did not feed me enough. They absolutely did not have food that was like healthy and viable to eat in the home. And a lot of times I was, I was like really relying on being able to go to school and get the breakfast and get the lunch from the school and not have to pay for it. Um, and when there were situations where we no longer qualified, actually, I just didn't eat lunch a lot of the time. Um, and so like, why you know it's it's like crazy to realize like why why did i get to go to college because because somebody made sure that i had the food to focus in first through eighth grades right um that's awesome yeah it's um it's like 
really crazy to me though, like how many things like that exist where it's like, this person did this and because of that, like I could function in educational spaces and my life is so, so different from people who didn't have that. And like, but, but, but why, but why didn't anyone tell me? Like, why didn't anybody tell me where my breakfast came from? Like, why didn't somebody tell me that this was an extension of a Black Panther program? Like, why, mm -hmm. why didn't I, why mm -hmm. did y'all teach me that this was a not like a Black nationalist group that hated me instead of telling me that this is who fed me as a kid when my parents wouldn't? Um, and I did not realize it would be so controversial to teach. <laughs> I didn't include like quite as much of my personal, but like, um, mm -hmm. I, I truly can't, I can't talk about this without like tearing up a little bit because it's like, mm -hmm. that's, that's how the kids eat. Right. So, um, right. teaching those things was a large part of what I was doing. And I was trying to make sure that this is like a genuine expression of who has impacted my life and like my experiences, but also a genuine reflection of who's in my class. Um, right. because like, as we were, um, there is it was so awful like there were these situations where my colleagues and i were lobbying like please bring in more diverse speakers please bring in more diverse speakers and they brought in ron DeSantis, and they brought in ben shapiro and they brought in oh my god what's oh. yeah and they brought in that one senator the senator from west virginia mansion who pretends he's a democrat that yeah. guy and he said just the most vile things about undocumented people and immigrants of course. I was like, you're making these coded comments where they're clearly, you're clearly targeting them towards our Latino students. And, right. and like those same students in the classes were just like showing up with incredible work and they were showing up for the university with incredible work. And there were like, it's like you're insulting Latino immigrant students when we have like indigenous Latino immigrant students who are making sure that our university has a land acknowledgement policy, which like, in the Northeast, we now acknowledge it's very basic, but that's a huge deal in Florida. Yeah, even, it really now. is. And it was like... And I believe it's the Sentinels, right, that is still over there in Florida? Oh, so the... Um, oh, so big, big differences depending on where in Florida. So where I'm from is Tallahassee, and Tallahassee is Appalachian Creek land. People associate it with the Seminole um, Nation. Seminole mm -hmm. Nation is actually more South Florida. Um, and okay. there's also a Seminole Nation in Oklahoma. Okay. So Seminole Nation is a really complicated and interesting history, and they should change the name of the mascot of the university, which isn't yes. even in the ancestral territory of the Seminole Nation. Right. right. So there's, there's like, but it, but, but the fact of the matter was that as students were trying so hard with all of this effort that they did not need to expend to make the university better, tenured faculty members just persisted in bringing in people who were like not even interested in like them as a human. Um, right. So that was rough. Um, and it reached a point where I and a colleague of mine decided we were going to make HR reports. Um, and we tag teamed HR and we decided that anytime we went to report something, we were going to report all of the different kinds of bigotry that we were aware of and stats so that when the next person went in, they would know, okay, this person already knows what's going on. If they say they don't, they're lying. Um, so when my friend would go in, 
she would say, this is how trans students are being treated. This is how, um, uh, what else? Like, this is how disabled students are being treated because I was really struggling to, to get accommodations. And I would go in and I would say like, this is how women students are being treated. This is how students of color are being treated. And we would give them all those stats and then they would lie to us and pretend they had never had any report made, which is odd because, you know, HR keep it confidential. But the reality was that HR was saying, um, yeah, no, we've never received any report of homophobia. That's never happened once, which isn't true. And you shouldn't have said anyway. Um, so we recorded enough of it that we were offered um, a full ride transfer to another department that political science still had to pay for. Um, <laughs> which shows you how bad it was. Nice. Um, yeah, and so it was around that time as well that um, I was I was attempting to report some folks who are part of the cult that I was in to the university. So one of them is a current administrator. His name is Chris Dowers. He works at Florida State University. He's been reported many times and um, they have chosen not to do anything about repeated claims of medical abuse and facilitation of human trafficking. So if anybody who hears this wants to go report him, have fun, make his day miserable. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say that. No, 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 it's This is not fun. legal advice. It's just something <laughs> I something to say. <laughs> Please don't get mad at me if you hear this, my lawyer. <laughs> I hope I don't get you in trouble with your lawyer, Andy. <laughs> no, no, no. He... I actually, this is this is like a, a T Pain and I have the same lawyer now. What's <laughs> my life? Interesting. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's, it's it's this is a whole. Anyway, we can just continue. <laughs> um. So Florida. Um... Yeah. So Florida. So um. Oh, so this was the part where, like, it got to this point where, mm -hmm. as I'm teaching, right, like I'm designing and teaching my own classes. I'm designing and teaching trainings for the university. Like I'm doing all this stuff that I don't have to do um, just to educate. And they kept not giving me enough time, excuse me, to complete program requirements. So I would be expecting to receive like five months to prepare for something as per the grad student manual and would be mm -hmm. given five weeks. This happened, that exact thing happened twice. Um, it was really wild because at the time I was also being given accommodations for extended time due to disability, which I don't think I took in those situations, but um, it was just very strange. They would try to add additional restrictions, um, tell me explicitly, I hate, detest the way that you're going about this. Uh, it was just very, very bad. Um, and in other ways, so I've mentioned that I was trying to report um, an administrator who was part of a religious cult. So. I'm from Tallahassee, where Florida State is located. That's part of why I went there for grad school. Um, and I was dealing with more issues in the local community with people who um, are part of my family. And so that, combined with the fact that I wasn't able to report people effectively at the university, meant it wasn't very safe. And I actually, the dean of my college admitted, I don't think that we can keep you safe in Florida at this time. It's okay if you need to finish somewhere else. And so I actually was given permission by the dean of the college to finish from New York because he did not think that he could realistically. Oh, one second. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, no.
<clears throat> okay. Sorry okay. about that. Um, okay. there was actually the, the heat is messing with the door, and my partner was trying to get inside. So oh no, that was awkward. <laughs> yeah, that's, man, I can't believe it's getting hot enough here for the doors yeah. to smell like that. So I'm gonna have to edit that part. Everybody just forget the last 60 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like interrupted Andy. Oh, uh, on the great ass story. Um, <laughs> you remember what you were talking about? I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> so I got we got the dean of the college to say, like, yeah, we we can't assure your safety in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, wow. which is this is also this is in July of actually this was August of 2021. So, like, it's a while back, right. So uh, my spouse and I moved into the apartment where I am sitting on October 2nd of 2021, which like I've mm -hmm. never understood why people are so excited to move into an apartment as I did the day we moved in here. It was it was like really rough um, because when we left Florida, we were uh, we did not have housing for a bit. It was it was a time. Um, so pretty much everything that we could keep was in the car. Um, mm -hmm. And we basically were like at hotels or friends' houses for like for for some months. Um, I think it was only like only like three, something like that. But that's that's like that's rough. Um, so I'm like trying to do grad school and figure this out while also moving. Um, and so um, that that was that was rough. Um, but eventually we ended up getting to. We're, at, we're in New York now, um, and I was still remotely teaching in Florida. And I just started to notice that the requests I would get from faculty members to whom I was assigned, with the exception of my advisor, who is a wonderful person. Um, if you hear this, James, you are perfect. Um, but like everybody else who I would get assigned to would ask me to do things that were just not within the scope of what I was required to do, would try to get me to write assignments for them when I was not a TA and I would have try to get me to grade their papers and all these things. Um, and it just, um, it was challenging. I would have people say, you know, please ignore accessibility needs. Please, um, don't really pay attention to what students are saying. It's not important. Um, mm. All these kinds of things that I did not feel were ethical ways to approach education. And at the same time, I was trying to pursue um, any kind of accountability for um, my uncle, who I believe is still an administrator in some capacity. Like, he's still a doctor working for the university. Um, and I was basically told this person has done nothing wrong um, after... It, it was it was a really odd it was a very odd investigation um but i was not really pleased with the way it was conducted with the transparency or with who all was asked to provide evidence um and i was really concerned for my like career safety in that in that setting i didn't know what people were going to say and if it was going to be true i didn't know what i would be asked to do I didn't know if I was going to be allowed to refuse to do work that wasn't part of my job. I had no idea what people's expectations were. And I was trying to decide whether to leave when I got an email um, letting me know that there was a lawsuit that was being started against the church that I was part of and that my uncle is a part of. And at that point, I kind of had to make this call of, and this was um, November of 22, 
do I want to continue pursuing a degree in this university that's been incredibly obstinate and that has really mishandled this HR situation? There was a point where the HR report about my uncle was turned over to my chair who didn't know him and my dean found out about it. And so all of these people had this information about this thing that now was going to be a lawsuit. And I did not feel that the university had handled it well enough to that point that I would be comfortable continuing my degree program there while engaged in a lawsuit naming an administrator. Mm. So I, I decided I was going to not, I decided to just leave. Um, it was, it was really wild. I was, I tried for months to go on medical leave by submitting documentation. Um, because there were a lot of trauma-related effects of things that I've mentioned that qualified me for medical leave. My medical leave was denied. Well, actually, it was lost. It, what? It, I, was told, I was told it had never been submitted, and I received my, my grades. I got all A's. Oh, wow. I don't know. I didn't do any. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do that, though. I wasn't, I wasn't doing that work, right? Like, I wasn't checking in. I wasn't doing my job. I wasn't doing this stuff. I was trying to get them to put me on medical leave. Right, right. And they didn't put me on medical leave and they just gave me A's. And I thought, oh they my just gosh. gave you A's? Um, you know, it may have been, it may be that it was all like pass fail and I got all pass, but nobody ever spoke to me. Nobody said anything. Right. Nobody said a word. And um, I fully was trying to withdraw because I expected to fail because I, I cannot be clear enough to tell you I was not doing my work, Jamar. Like I wasn't doing it. So like, um, that felt like the right call when I was like, you guys won't even accept this and you would rather pretend I did all this than. And so at that point I decided I'm done. Um, I actually took the GRE like three mm -hmm. weeks later. I think, um, I don't remember what the total is. I think I was like two or three points from a perfect score. So I'll be okay if I reapply. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I've, switched a lot more towards like coaching debate and i'm actually a coach at a summer debate camp in two weeks i'm super excited mm -hmm. um so compared to new york um how, how like you said that you a few moments you mentioned um well oh. throughout all the being in being in a cult and all this i'm glad oh. you're okay from from all this because cult life could be so much like yeah. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> it wasn't worse um than just the child labor as and I like that's oh, awful. That's I mean, weird, like, like I left out the child sex trafficking and child molestation. Oh no, like, Jesus Christ. Oh, I, I've been to so much therapy, like yeah. I so like I mean, like to, to be very clear, like for me, the object of an education was never I, mm -hmm. I don't know, like, do most people do PhD programs for tenure? Like, that's ridiculous. What percentage of people in PhD programs get tenure? Like, it's very small. But for me, it was always like, let me know what happened in my life. Like, I have to understand mm -hmm. this. And I actually, like, I very concretely remember I took this authoritarian regimes class in, like, I think it was in, like, 2019. So, like, after I went back to grad school. And there was this discrete, clear moment where I was looking at a diagram of how cult, or not cults, how authoritarian regimes work on the board. And the instructor asked me a question about it and I just started like sobbing. I could not speak, I couldn't say anything. And she was like, okay, we're gonna take a break. Everybody else get out. And I was like, okay, what's going on? And I was like, okay, if you replace citizen with Andy and regime with cult, this is my life story on the board. And she was like, oh no. Um, yeah. 
so to me it was always like that what happened like how do i gain the language to explain to myself and other people what i remember occurring um because i think we conceptualize of cults as it's obvious that they're scary and bad and evil and um what we do not notice from the outside tends to be that actually lots of things about cults seem super good like i mentioned a little while ago like yeah, um, even after I came out as trans, even after I started transitioning, I was able to be like, yeah, I'm ill. I can't function. I'm going to go stay with my parents. And I, I expect that they and the church are going to make sure I'm financially taken care of as long as I attend. And mm -hmm. that is an option. I know of a lot of other people who have been coerced back into attendance because the church was willing to pay some bills. Um, so... When you're when you're in that, you just think, oh my gosh, these people are so kind and nice, and I'm terrible, and I make bad decisions, and blah 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 blah. Uh, and so I think the hardest part for me was really going back and realizing there's a difference between people being nice in an evil way, and and like nice in a good way. And mm -hmm. I was so unable to distinguish that that people would say just the most awful things to me, like. Well, you know, I love you, but like, I'm, I, this is not what I think, but it's what the Bible thinks. And they would read all the clobber passages and tell me about how I was going to hell, right? Um, but I truly interpreted and understood that as loving behavior. And it was really like me educa getting educated was like this effort to unlearn that, really. And I would say initially in undergrad, I studied Islamic extremism just because, like, I thought that terrorism was an interesting topic and my dad was too into 24 when I was a kid. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, like, honestly, the more I learned, the more I was like, I understand one of the sides of this, but unfortunately it is the extremist side. That's the one that makes intuitive sense to me. Um, and so it was like very much this process of, okay, why did, why did I read this and go, okay, the relatable ones are the terrorists. And then I had to kind of, over time come to that realization of this what i was raised in is truly religious extremism um so it's it's like challenging but i would also say there's so many people who are affected mm -hmm. similarly that i'm like yeah and you also mentioned that um that you had a hard time with going through with your transition under florida compared to now um yeah. What was what was it like? It was it was it off of the um, the <clears throat> legislation that DeSantis helped put through, or was this before? Yeah, so um, I think that the way so I started testosterone in 2017 in New Haven because it was very difficult for me to get on testosterone in Tallahassee. Um, there were some medical offices that would, but it was also this case of you had to know other trans people and like know where they were going and know who they were recommending. And there were situations all the time where um, there was a Dr. Hart in Tallahassee at one point who I had heard of trans friends seeing and another trans friend showed up to her office and was told, oh, I actually don't see trans people just openly. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, essentially prior to the legislation, and this is really still the case, um, all physicians, they don't have to prescribe things they're not comfortable prescribing and pharmacists don't have to fill it either. So I've actually had, I've only ever had a pharmacy refuse to fill my testosterone once and it was a CVS on Dixville Avenue in New Haven. Um, yeah. 
as, but that's but CVS as a chain has done that other places. So like it's very much discretion, right? So when I moved back to Tallahassee, I went to this tiny pharmacy that was locally owned and the people knew every single person who came in and they weren't bothered by anything, but you really had to find those places. Um, so you would kind of talk around and go, okay, like where's, where's like a cool place to go to um, like the endocrinologist, where's a cool physical therapist who won't be transphobic to me. Um, and that it's very challenging because you can't always access that in, in Tallahassee particularly. Previous to a lot of this legislation, I would say it was so discretionary. So you could so easily go to one office and they say, we only do this one dosage of uh, hormones. We don't work with trans femmes. We only work with trans masks because it's less complicated. We don't do anything else. And we only do this one method. And then you could go to an office one mile away and they would not necessarily have that perception. They wouldn't respond that way at all. Um, I had a very hard time, though, after the pandemic, accessing hormones in Tallahassee. And even just in terms of the consistency of appointments prior, it was a bit it was a bit challenging. Um, so some people think that there was like free reign and the ability to prescribe hormones before. And that is an absolute lie. Publicly, universities in Florida, nobody working for them is allowed to prescribe hormones or anything that would assist in transition. And that's been the case since at least 2020. Um, so. I, nobody who working for the university was allowed to give me um, a top surgery letter. Nobody from the university was allowed to help me figure out the insurance. They weren't allowed to recommend me for um, HRT. Uh, it was, it was not allowed in their capacity as a medical provider for a public university in Florida. And that was already the status quo. So the reality already was that students who relied on university health centers um, were not going to be able to transition. And so particularly who that affects most is um, international students and immigrant students who are uh, particularly international students are bound by visa in a lot of cases to not earn money off campus. And so by restricting what can actually be accessed on campus, you're simply saying to um, trans and gender nonconforming immigrant students or international students, you don't get this. So it's very it's really discretionary anyway. Um, uh -huh. I was telling my spouse, you have to pretend to be binary a lot of the time. So it's the, <clears throat> I always hated Barbies. I loved stealing my brother's Star Wars, Star Wars toys and trucks. And I played soccer and kicked all the girls and they hated oh, it. Like, that's, I, so I don't talk like I normally talk. I tell the story about how, this is a true story, but my soccer coach in middle school said to my parents, please find a co-ed league. Your child is too aggressive to play with only girls. So I'll tell that story to the Tallahassee endocrinologist. And then they're like, oh, a man. <laughs> Which <laughs> is um, Like you got to uh, guide them to water. <laughs> yeah. My, my just like bewildered about my gender moment was, it's, it, it sucks that a cop was involved, but there was this cop. Oh, no. Who, it was horrible. It was a bad situation. I had to deal with a cop who, who was worse at his job because he didn't know what gender I was. And he, he and his partner were just like kind of looking at each other and back to me. And I, there was like a, a screw, like a wrench situation happening on, on a wall. And I like used a technical plumbing term. They looked mm -hmm. at each other and nodded and both said in unison, thank you, sir. And I was like, I, I just used some vocab. That's <laughs> all right. Um, and, but but yeah, you get these like people really trying to figure you out. And in medical situations, that's the case. Um, 
But in Florida as well, um, speaking of policing and gender, uh, you actually have to go to the police station to change your gender. Um, that sounds so, very uncomfortable. Oh, it's it's pretty it's pretty bad. So it's actually the process is a lot simpler in Connecticut. Um, so I actually changed my name in Connecticut despite being from Florida after trying twice to change my name in Florida and it not being mm -hmm. um, because it was just so much more logistically complicated. Whereas in Connecticut, I think I was able to fill out a form that said I am too poor to pay you to change my name. Please just mm -hmm. change my name and gender. Um, and then I I showed up, talked to a judge for five minutes, and that was it. And it was so much more complicated in Tallahassee, and all of these various issues kept coming up. Um, and uh, one of the things was that you actually had to go to the police department to be fingerprinted to make sure that you were not a convicted felon before they would allow you to change your name. So they and automatically get your, like, like your fingerprints. Yeah, but also do like, but also who doesn't get to change their name if they're trans, right? So like, right. does that mean that people who have been criminalized for being pushed into sex trades for being trans in the first place are now not allowed to change their names? Like, what's the right? So like, mm. it's it's a lot of these things where on the surface you think, oh, like the the possibility does exist. There is an option, um, but a lot of the times it really doesn't, and so. Um, here, like another example, this actually came up today is I have been trying for six years to change my name in my, in one of my financial institution accounts. When I initially changed my name, they did not allow that as an option in that institution. Um, mm -hmm. however, they are closing my account and removing my whole line of credit access most likely because I cannot provide them with the correct documentation that I am the same person as Emily Stowers. I can't provide them with that documentation because in the state of Florida, you are not legally allowed to keep your ID intact after getting a new one. So there's all of these things that you would think like, so I'm describing all this like really wild. This sounds like, yeah, it's a nightmare. Like I fully spent 90 minutes on the phone trying to convince someone that I was me and I did not convince them. Um, and I'm probably going to like lose access to an account that I've had for 12 years, 12 years, but this is very routine. I thought there was maybe like a 20% prob probability that that would happen when I called them. Like I really did. Um, and so I would say the issue with in Florida is actually people have been remarkably successful in some isolated situations at mm -hmm. making progress. So like there was a ban on HRT for, um, for adults actually that was like, going to be pretty serious and that was partially struck down um and now there are limitations or actually there were limitations on the ability to proceed to receive um hrt by mail since it's a controlled substance and that has been struck down but it's very limited as well and mm -hmm. so like the problem is that we'll hear oh yeah there's this option this option exists but what we are not hearing is all these other technical things that are coming in um and so like personally i've spent probably thousands of dollars over years just uh, trying to recover from having bank account access removed from me or not being able to like pay whatever weird fee I had to pay to change my name. And so a lot of trans people, particularly in Florida, are dealing with that. And I want to say, what do you think the minimum wage is in Florida? $7. Um whoa that's awesome it's it's actually oh that's that's so great it got raised to 10 right after i moved here it's actually about to hop to 12 
Um, but oh, they're finally trying. <laughs> and it was it was eighty one when I moved in um, mid twenty twenty one. So um, a lot of times, first of all, like a lot of trans people are experiencing labor trafficking um, or wage theft or are in workplaces that are not actually paying that wage. Um, I would say in terms of like a lot of grad students, no, if you break it down, absolutely not. Grad students are not making that wage per hour. And so mm -hmm. like this affects a lot more people. And then the other thing that is like not necessarily as obvious when we think about Florida is people think like Miami, Orlando and um, I don't know, like Jacksonville. Do people even think about Jacksonville? I don't know. Maybe Panama City. Never. Um, but like the vast majority of it is there's not anything. There's not anything going on. It is trees and um, <laughs> bears and alligators and and wild hogs. Like, I, I, I don't know what to say. Um, and so there are a lot of people who like fully live, I don't know, like two hours from somebody who could reasonably prescribe them testosterone or mm. who like can't reasonably actually get to a Planned Parenthood that would be supportive. Or there are people who, um, like I know of trans construction workers who live in the middle of nowhere and have to live like a stealth life basically in order to be safe. And so there's all these ways that you can navigate safety, um, but they're very narrow. And there's a lot of intervening issues that can happen, particularly uh -huh. in the context of Florida, that make this really dangerous. Um, so one that I never really hear discussed is actually people who are undocumented are more likely to be trans than people who are not. Um, because, yeah, like, it is very difficult to change your name. I, I imagine it's very difficult to change your documentation if you're immigrating. And if you have to do both right. at the same time, you may as well just, like, cry immediately, like, at the thought. Um, and so a big problem in Florida, too, is that we don't really have resources available to the LGBTQ community at large. But specifically, there are not resources as available as they should be to immigrant LGBTQ communities, which, like, are just communities that are likelier to have a, like a slightly higher percentage of LGBTQ people by the stats we have um, and are more likely to be victimized by like wage theft and labor trafficking and all these other issues in Florida. That's like a triple death sentence in a way. Like right, being right. a person of color that is an immigrant, trans, like that's just, it's, it's a lot. Um, yeah, well, and I think we think of this as like, a, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah. No, go ahead. I just like to give an idea of what my classes might look like. Like I had, I think, like a fifty-student class the last two semesters I was teaching. I would say um, maybe like a quarter of those students were maybe maybe like a third, maybe maybe a third were like white non-Jewish students, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, like, the reality actually was that classes, like, I, I would, I would probably have, yeah, yeah, I think I had an immigrant student who was non-binary or queer, openly queer, every single semester. Um, and so, like, that, the idea is that we shouldn't be thinking about these intersections because they're not actually coming up. But realistically, mm -hmm. what DeSantis is trying to do is create so many barriers for so many intersections. If you have enough of them, you are well and truly fucked. Um, so they make it sound like it, that there's a lot of trans athletes there. And they make it sound like there's a lot of trans children and and um, just on that spectrum of queerness. 
um of children there that's what i see in the media like, but like it's like are really they, really minuscule right like because you're you're educated you <laughs> i mean like are they saying that there's an unusual number of trans people well the way that they talk and the way that they pass these legislations they make it seem like it's an agenda like there's an actual like uh uh outreach so to say let's all convert people to the gays and to the trans community and stuff like that like for instance i saw this idiot um actually i, I don't really call him an idiot because i actually kind of respect this man it's just that i don't respect how he treats uh well talks about lgbtq people um pa uh, patrick bet david um a huge florida icon you ever heard of heard him he's an immigrant himself from iran he's half armenian as well too um He's a millionaire and lives in Miami. Um, and he has valuetainment. Yeah, Miami. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and they literally have like all these like these people come on there. Like, uh, for instance, they had a guy that was like gay, uh, gays against grooming. I'm like, wow, you're you're literally that's the name of your group, gays against grooming. It kind of sounds like um I don't want to. I don't want to sound rude, but it does. Like it's it's a fascist statement. So it reminds me of Jewish collaborators that were working with Nazis to end up in the same situation that they they thought they were going to get saved from. So it's it's like that's the rhetoric I'm seeing. But it sounds like there's really no need for that, and it's all social media hype, and they mm. they are just making it make making it a, a scare, a fear mongering. So. I think like there's a, I think it's ridiculous. I, it's not factual. I think there's a strategic underpinning to it that makes sense. Um, the state of Florida has has been involved in a lot of shady things over a lot of time. Uh -huh. um, so like just just for example, Lawton Childs, a former governor of Florida, was named in a bunch of papers in the 2010s for being a religious extremist because he attended one of the cult branches that I right. So like so me oh, knowing wow. that. And at the same time, his son, who his son was running like the adoption wing of the international cult group. Right. So um, from from my own experiences, I don't I don't trust them. Right. So I've also I've done some research looking at law enforcement um, bias in Florida. And so just to tell you a little bit about that, so you understand the the Florida situation here, um, I you know, we obviously expect that there's going to be bias in policing. And so we're looking at whether there is um, any positive effect from civilian oversight on policing and in reduction of bias. And uh, so I'm, I don't actually have the, the results of that. Um, Cause that was, in a, that was me assisting on somebody else's project, but mm -hmm. um, I got about halfway through the data collection and then FDLE, the Florida department of law enforcement the website didn't work, but that's weird. I turned off my VPN website worked again mm. um wouldn't work at all on my computer suddenly when on my spouse's computer still worked i went to my i went to the project head and i said is it possible for fdle to have blocked my ip he started laughing and he said oh yeah it happens every time um <laughs> but he wasn't surprised and that was the worst part. <laughs> um and so i think it's like this case that well there have been accusations about corruption in Florida government for a very long time. Um, mm -hmm. 
there are Florida officials who have been involved in shady religious things for a very long time. But they're um, the groomers, not the gays. Like, right, so they're I, ignoring the Christian groomers that are doing all the sex trafficking thing. And Right. And so it's it's like interesting from my perspective because I am literally going to the university saying, please, right. please hold this person accountable who like is responsible for a lot of the abuse I experienced as a child. And right. their response is like, we're going to not support queer people. They're actually, um, I I heard from somebody that one of the DEI offices was being moved into an all glass um, office so that they were not able to help trans students or um, other marginalized students unsupervised. And so this is what's being done on the campuses. And like, for me, the reality of being on campus was that like there were offices that I knew I could go to that would be helpful, but I would have to go to 16 or so offices to find those. Um, Jesus Christ. There was literally a Florida. thing I counted. I counted. I counted how many <laughs> university offices I went to, and I got to 16. Um, wow. And and this is me like this is me having the same last name as an administrator. This is me not being able to walk into a medical office in Tallahassee without somebody being without being asked who my family is like, this is me teaching, um, having a master's degree, talking and looking like this, right? Like that's how they're reacting. And so that was, I would say it was really instructive for me because often I would be in these situations and other students who were in those situations too, um, did not maybe match me in some way. And I would notice that there was a very big difference in the response. So there were like, there were situations where I was in line with somebody who didn't speak English and they were just not going to help them get their paycheck um, and had to like, let's match up our phones and we'll tap through the Bank of America app. Yours is in Chinese and mine's in English. Let's see if this works. Right. Like, but I had to be like, there had to be another person in line who was going to be like, yeah, let's make sure you figure out your paycheck right here. And so every time I would come across these situations, I, well, this wasn't the voice I used because I was in Florida. I used my I'm from Florida voice. I actually talked like I was from there, right? And that that gets a different response. And mm-hmm. the best response I could possibly elicit still made me go to 16 offices while pulling out like all of the possible stops. And it was just so absurd to think mm. like, would this be different if I did had a different last name? Would this be different? if I wasn't white? Like, would this be different if I was trans femme? Like, how how would this have gone in all those varieties of situations? And like, I know the answer, right? Um, but I think that is one of the things that really goes unsaid in that setting is most trans people are are not like straight and binary and white and financially well-off and able-bodied and free of any mental illnesses. Like you're dealing with at least a couple things going on. And what's really unseen about this in Florida is that while they will technically provide a bureaucratic approach, you may simply not have the 30 hours it takes to pursue that approach, or you may not ever be able to get the people deciding on that to actually listen to you. Mm-hmm. And if you do, it's, it's, you were very smart and very lucky is what it is. Um, so and, what I'm hearing is that there's a lot of issues in yeah, the state of Florida I'm that just, all along that has not been addressed and it's 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 very complicated to get done what you need to get done as a trans person especially just because of how the laws are i would say like there's almost this on a daily basis 
mm -hmm. would be like points where you're like, can I use the bathroom? Like, wow. And so there are points now for my friends where they're like, can I go to an eye doctor? Because my gender is not changed. Uh, so like, I know people with a full beard who have been on testosterone for 10 years, who for whatever reason got their name changed, but they couldn't get their gender changed. And so they are like terrified of going to certain doctors because even if it's not related to gender, what if that's a problem? And so I think the issue is that on a daily basis, you have so little idea what your rights are and how strictly somebody would defend them if they had to, that it's really never clear what you're actually in practice allowed to do. Mm. Mm. Well, I don't want to take up much of your time. Um, yeah, thank this you. This was very, very insightful. Um, and I, knowing you... I didn't even know. Like this is <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's I guess I would say like it was really hard for me to be able to especially when I was in Connecticut because I would say like especially even with organizing stuff it was like I was like oh my god like I'm allowed to show up for things I believe in and that was such a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Or like even I remember there was this event where like I want to say it was like you and Norm went in the bathroom with me at the library. And I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, they didn't freak out. And it was like so much. Just, like I, this is a funny story, but um, in, this was in 2021. I um, can't, my spouse mentioned Jerry Seinfeld and I said, Oh, is that Jessica Seinfeld's husband? Mm -hmm. And Kent said, what the hell are you talking about? And I went and I pulled out this cookbook written by Jessica Seinfeld and I turned to this page and I said, well, she says that her husband, Jerry, likes this recipe. Is Jerry Seinfeld the husband of this cookbook author? I was a huge fan of the cookbooks, but I was not allowed to watch sitcoms because they were mm -hmm. ungodly. And so there's all these little like cultural things. I'm like, oh, I have no idea who Jerry Seinfeld is, but I love his wife's cookbooks that I just mm -hmm. wouldn't know. And I would find out. And so I think particularly when I was in Connecticut, I was like trying really hard to like just understand what was happening. Because I felt like if I say so much of the stuff that I've heard that I'm like, okay, there's something wrong with this, then people will think I'm crazy. And I think it really took seeing other people's stories from the same background and going like, oh, oh shit, like this is, that's mm. bad. That's not good. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I would have never judged you. I appreciate that. And I, I know that. <laughs> but um, like, and it feels, I felt had this moment earlier where I was like, if I had just told people who I knew in Connecticut, I think my family is in a cult and they're trying to get me to go back. What should I do? It would have been totally different. But I think the the issue that I had, which I do think is, you know, mm -hmm. to tap off the Florida stuff, very similar, is you get so trapped in this box that you have no right. idea there's anything outside of it. Right. And um, I think a lot of – that's how I felt for sure, and that's why I wasn't able to talk about this. I think a lot of people – in Florida particularly who are trans have that same kind of thing where they're like, it would be so nice to get out. It would be so great. I'm sure it would be cool, but how much better can it really be? Like, is there really anywhere where I would be okay? Um, you know, what, how, how shitty would it be to move to New York? And there's still only one grocery store I can go to. Um, and it, it's really that process of opening the box enough that 
people see a way out and then mm -hmm. you do what you yeah. can in the government. I really appreciate this. I think you opened up a great perspective uh, that a lot of people, especially that don't live in Florida, will understand um, because we we see the other parts and everything, and we we see the the Bible Belt as uh, identity of the state of Florida. Um, I know a lot of people don't, but I I've seen that ever since with Ron DeSantis um, being there. Um, and so it's good to it's it's good to be reminded that working class people are just working class people and they're not all identified for one thing that there's a lot that uh, complicities that also comes in common with the struggle of all working class people yeah. especially in, especially in, in in our 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 minority marginalized communities so this i i hope that the people that hear this get a very very great understanding and also learn about that definitely uh what the cult uh that so the, the there's a uh investigation okay go ahead um, the international churches of christ uh okay. there is a lawsuit investigating the founders chuck lucas and kit mckean um chuck lucas okay. is named in my personal lawsuit terrible person and it's really mm -hmm. sad because a lot of this is really fueled by um it's been harder to address because the church is very homophobic and a lot of these individuals who are being named as abusers um were uh in initially behaving in predatory ways towards cis men and so like all got brushed under the rug because it was homosexuality and not abuse mm -hmm. uh, for all of this time and so now it's kind of finally being unearthed and the extent to which it was mobilized against children is becoming clear um okay yeah. sorry that sounds depressing um no, <laughs> no yeah I would say, like, just thank you so much general, for sharing by the way you know yeah you're welcome and i would say i share a lot of this because i there are, I, there are a lot of people in my life who used to be part of the cult and i organize with them i am helping what we're working on reporting a conversion therapist right now that's a whole mm -hmm. other story and yeah. um I feel like a responsibility to help people from that same setting because a lot of them are very good people. And likewise in Florida, it's like, I'm in New York because people from Florida directly gave me money to be here. Mm -hmm. And those people exist too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank yeah. you so much for coming on Andy and let's stay in touch. Um, and shout out to Kirill for reconnecting me with you. <laughs> um, um, for, for everyone that's having for everybody that um that enjoyed this definitely like share comment check out um the, the the information that i'm going to put into the details very very shortly um i hope that this was a very insightful interview just as much as it was insightful for me and i have a goal people were asking me what is your goal my goal is to get um a thousand view, a thousand um, likes and a thousand shares. Let's let's see. Let's get a thousand likes and a thousand shares on the platforms. Um, there's a lot growing in, on Instagram, so we can continue to have interviews like this that were very insightful and very important to learn about. Um, so again, if you are very intrigued on what we just talked about and discussed, I see there's a few people that were looking on. Thank you so much for looking on. Like share subscribe it helps the algorithms very very much especially on on platforms where I, I don't have that much going on 
like, share, subscribe. Um, so I'll talk to you all later. And again, have a very, very good day. Goodbye, everybody. Blank period, yeah. I'm a black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holler if you really feeling this. Gotta holler if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holler if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna live in abundance. I gotta keep it a hundred. If you don't like it, then fuck it. Ay. We gonna win in the end. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna. I gotta keep it a hundred. We gotta stop all the stunting. You know we coming from nothing. Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing. We gotta do something different. We gotta change how we living. We gotta do better for women. We gotta do better for children. We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish or Muslim or Christian. It doesn't matter your religion. You gotta stand against the system, or else you're just another villain. How you just sitting there chilling?